It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Live from Armory Studios in Central Florida, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Draw all gas, no break. And now, give it up for your hosts, CJ, Kevin, Jimmy, and Harrison. Take it away, boys. What's going on, boys and girls? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and let me introduce you to my squadron. First off, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Kevin Jackson! And coming up the rear... On the Gatling Guns today, ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. Ladies, make sure you write it down in your little black book. Give it up for Jimmy, the Reaper, Jardine! And gentlemen, we have a very, very special co-pilot joining us today. And of course, let's give him... A warm weapons hot welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from New York on his cell phone somewhere in the top secret bunker. Put your hands together for Mr. Scott Mason. There we go. I like it. Way to come in. Way to come in. I I, I say this all the time, right? (laughs) Until you've been... uh, you know, introducing Weapons Hot. You haven't been properly introduced. Scott, my man, welcome back once again. We appreciate you. One of my very favorite uh, uh, Jets-related uh, people in the world. Uh, thank you once again for, for coming on with us. How's, how's everything going, brother? How you been? Kev, you know I always love talking to you. CJ, I love talking to you too, although, uh, man, I got I to gotta say, you, you surprised me with the Metallica. That was good stuff. I, I wasn't expecting that for the intro, but you know I love me some Metallica. Uh, everything's good here, although weather's a little weird in the New York, New Jersey area. We were talking before we started recording about how this storm, Elise, I think, why, why is it, and I forget who the comedian was, but somebody said that for some reason they always give these storms like, like sexy female names. Right. I guess to like distract us from the fact that it, that the weather's bad, but right. I think Elise, right, is what they called it. But uh, it's Elsa. yeah, it's wild, man. El- Elsa, is that what it is? Something like that. Yeah, yeah I knew it was something like this time. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's wild because Kev, you're in Georgia. I'm here in the the tri-state area. CJ, you're in uh, Central Florida. Jimmy, I don't know where you are, but this this storm just is like passing through. It went from where CJ was and the, where Kev was and now to where we are here. And uh, hopefully we don't get another one of these, uh, a major one for a while. Yeah, we hope so. Let me tell you something, because they're a pain in the neck to navigate. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be the first one to tell you that. So, Scott, first off, 
Uh, I know it's been a while since you've actually joined us, and what I want to do is I want you to let the listeners know exactly what you're working on and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. So I do the daily podcast, Play Like a Jet. We also have playlikeajet.com, the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, and Play Like a Jet Live, which is done Wednesday nights in conjunction with U Stadium. That's a video show. I don't host that. That's two of our guys, Luke Grant, uh, the Thunder from Down Under, as I like to call him, and Clayton Smarslock, who's down in your neck of the woods in Orlando, CJ. And they they have on live guests, and I think we're going to start taking live calls on that show soon. And uh, on the Daily Pie, we have articles and everything, obviously, on our website. We have film breakdowns, some really good Morgan Moses breakdowns by Luke on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed to that yet, I recommend doing that. And then on the Daily Podcast, seven days a week, I don't know, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, Right now, it's a bit of a slow period. So what I like to do is I have on people from different walks of life that are affiliated uh, with the Jets, not officially, but as far as being fans and and whatnot. And I have them on to help do off-season reviews. Also doing a fun series with Chris Nimbley right now, just going through a couple of different uh, stories from his time covering the Jets on the beat over the last 10 years. So last week, for example, we did a show rehashing the 2016 feud between Brandon Marshall and Sheldon Richardson that helped screw that whole season up. And then uh, the last one we did was we called it in honor of uh, Peter J. Dillard, who gave Adam Gase this nickname. We called it Rise of the Usurper. And we retold the story of how Adam Gase went from being a losing coach in Miami to basically taking over everything in New York with the Jets. It was a wild story, and now we can look back and laugh at it, obviously. So a lot going on as we get ready for training camp, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Scott is a beast. Play like a Jet. Again, quality content, all of the what Scott's already outlined. The website is, is, is dope. I pop on the C-notes on the website all the time, and I'm just kind of bouncing through stuff. So play like a Jet, man. You got to follow it. I shout you guys out all the time. Because um, I think that uh, you and, and, and Mr. Nims, uh, you know, I like uh, I like Chris. I, I think he's a really talented guy. The, the big deal, right? Yeah, he mm-hmm. really excited about what you guys are doing, especially this season in particular, where we have so much to really look forward to. So, yeah, play like a jet, fans, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you're logging in, you're subscribing, you're checking out the YouTube, the website, all of the stuff. Um, Lou Grant been been following him for a long time. Clayton's a really smart guy. Um, a lot of the content, uh, I'll just be honest, as as a as someone who consumes Jets content, quality stuff there, guys. So make sure that you're checking it out. Um, I appreciate that, brother. Not a problem, man. You know, it, it's just uh, giving props where they're due. Uh, I know CJ had quite a few things that we wanted to discuss tonight. Um, I know Jim had a couple of things also. I'm not sure uh, where we want to jump in right now. So first off, what I want to do is I want to start off with tonight's title, which is secondary you know, squadron assessments with Mr. Scott Mason. So, Scott, I'm going to tee you up first, and then obviously I'm going to have both Kevin and Jimmy kind of uh, kind of rebut your comments. Uh, we're going to start with the offense. What do you think about the Jets on the offensive side of the ball? What are you looking? What What are you looking to see uh, through the uh, th- for the upcoming training camp going into preseason? I just want to hear reports that the young players are playing well and that everything's meshing. My main objective for 2021, or I should say the 
the goal that I think the Jets should be heavily leaning into is, yeah, you want to try your best to make a playoff run, obviously, but this is a team that's sort of at the beginning of a rebuild. New quarterback, a lot of new pieces, young pieces on the offense. So I think what you want to be looking for here in training camp is, are we still hearing reports that Elijah Moore is kicking butt, right? Are we hearing that Corey Davis is, is fitting in well in the offense? Is Zach Wilson looking sharp in camp? What are we hearing about the guys on the line, especially Elijah Vera Tucker? Is Mekhi Becton healthy? So you want to hear that the younger players are starting to come along because this year I really just want a fun offense. I want to be able to watch these Jets games and be entertained. And I know that that's a low bar, but it's something that we really haven't had as Jets fans in quite a while. I mean, there's been little bits and pieces of Sam Darnold, but overall we haven't had an entertaining football season here since 2015. So I'd like to see in training camp those guys, specifically Wilson and uh, Elijah Moore, little Denzel Mims, Elijah Vera Tucker. I want to see those guys be the stars of training camp. I want to hear positive reports. When I talk to Nimbly, I want him to tell me that Elijah Moore is still dazzling people the way that he was in minicamp and in OTAs. So that's really what, what I think uh, we need to be seeing at training camp is, is those guys beginning to give you hope for the regular season. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think and I, I take more of like a hardline stance because of everything Jets fans have endured for the last you know, 51 years. Um, I think we have the people in place to do it, so I don't mind holding this team to a high standard. Um, I, I, don't, I don't adhere to the thought process that just because last year's team was 2-14 and 14, that we can't massively upgrade that for 2021. And that's why I've said it from the start that I believe this team is capable of 11 wins and playoffs this year. Um, for me, it just comes down to the coaching staff. We didn't have one last year. We, I think we got a whole bunch of Walmart greeters and stuff like that and just put jet shirts on them. And uh, we have a real football team now. We, and, and I've said it before, it, right, right from the top down, we have an owner that is now finally staying out of the way. We have a GM that understands how the game of football works from both sides, not just a business side, but from a player side and, and product side as well. We have a coaching staff who took, you know, second and third string and practice squad guys last year on his defense in San Francisco and kept it a top 10 defense in most defensive categories. We have linebacking, linebacking gurus that are going to help these hybrid guys like Jeff Ulbrich with Robert Sala working with them that are going to help these hybrid guys learn how to be that hybrid role. So, you know, offensively, I know we were talking about that, but um, we have an offensive coordinator that Shanahan literally wouldn't allow teams to interview until the rule changed last year. So, or 2019, I believe, which, whichever one it was. But this, you know, LaFleur grew up in the Shanahan system, literally. Like, he's known, he's known Sala since high school. 
And I think we have the pieces in place of the coaching staff. We have the scouting department in place. We have the only NFL team to have a full-on dedicated performance medical staff and medical personnel. Um, and we have the roster to do it because none, nobody, I don't care if, if it's Joe Montana, I don't care if it's, you know, Josh Allen, I don't care who it is. You, they were never a name until they got behind a good coach. And I think we have that now. Like I said, I'm not going to hold them to like 11 wins and like that's my breaking point. I was, would still be happy with the progression that you're talking about, Scott, and I'm, I'm all on board with that. But I think we're capable of more. And I think, I think Jets fans need to start holding this team to a higher standard. Look, um, I, I'm, I'm think I'm going to piggyback off of both of what it is that uh, you guys have uh, expertly outlined. Um, and I'm just going to say this. I have to be very careful lately in talking about this team um, be, because I, I don't want uh, people to not respect uh, people to not respect what it is that I think when I when I offer my takes on this stuff. And I'm just telling you right now, I'm expecting us to ball this season. I, I don't know if this is me, you know, having my Steve Buscemi moment with another unfortunate side effect of hunger, and I need a, you know, something. You know? I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's what this is. But uh, at this point, right now, just, uh, and, you know, I, I know we haven't discussed the stat. We haven't discussed, you know, anything specific with regards to an analytic or, or any of that. But um, the way that this feels right now, it's just this is it's I think it's a lot more tangible and I think it's actually it, it, it's even so much so that it's being uh, seen even in some of the, the media surrounding the Jets right now. Right. Like um, I, I can't recall a season where the where we've been on Good Morning Football as much as we have with so much positivity um, as we have in these past few months uh, specifically. And, you know, that that's you know, that's kind of a hub for for lazy folks who just want to kind of grab as much football as they can, or they, they feel like it in just that one segment, but that's where we're at right now. So um, my expectation for the season is for us really to kind of, to, to, to shock the world. Um, and, you know, I'll just be honest. If, if the reality is like, like, like Scott outlines, you know, that we, we have some things that we're building on right now, that that's, that's factual. You know, I can't argue that nothing against what Jim says with 11 wins and the whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm just real talk and please don't judge me guys. Just, just love me for being the Jets fan that you know me to be over the course of these past few years. But I'm like Goldie Hawn and Wildcats right now. Like, yo, we're going to win the championship. You <laughs> Great know, movie. look, I'm telling you right. Look, that if, if you love football, you got to love that movie, but okay. I'm, I'm, I'm borderline on that right now. And, and I, I have to, I really do have to do better with, with pulling it back because as I want to even respect my own opinions, when we, when we talk about this stuff everything that I'm seeing is, is pointing in the right direction. And if, and I know it's just fans and I know that you'll have, you know, I record. hate that word. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you got me on record saying the same thing. Like if is, is the, the, the biggest word and I, I almost cursed, excuse me, but um, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this. But the, the, the reality is if certain things fall the way that we expect them to, then I'm telling you right now, there's, there's going to be quite a few games towards the end of the season where people are going to be like, yo, uh, the New York Jets have, you know, really, you know, they've punched above their uh, punched above their weight class a little bit, and uh, um, I, I I feel like that is even more possible than 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 I, I think uh, even my own, you know, kind of thoughts on this would, would allow me to admit. I I, I just I'm, I'm I'm 
crazy optimistic about this season, guys. And please excuse me for stumbling the way that I have, but this is probably, man, I, I, if, if I was to say that even going back to, you know, 2009, 2010, where I really kind of was expecting us to be good, right? I'm not sure if I really felt that strongly about what, what we're capable of as I do right now. And I, uh, well, I know we're going to get into some of the details a little later on, but expectations, I expect us to ball, man. Just out of just point blank period. I, I expect to see some bumps and some hiccups. I expect to see some outlandish stuff. I expect, and, and again, we're going to discuss, you know, players and all of that uh, as we get further into the show, but I'm, Scott says we want to be entertained. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, Russell Crowe cutting somebody's head off type entertain. Like we're going to be killing people really if some of the things that we hope, uh, uh, you know, kind of shake out actually do. So uh, that's enough on that. Um, man, Jimmy, I, 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 I feel kind of crazy right now. But yeah, CJ, come on. I, I, I'm Jimmy, this, it's time for your front time. office segment. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. And then afterwards... After we finish up with your segment, then we've got Kev's in the spotlight segment. So go right yes. ahead, my friend. Fire away. Sounds good. So this week in the front office, we have to discuss something that has kind of gone a little bit under the radar. Uh, we have three players left to sign as far as our draft class. The unfortunate thing about that is it's our first three draft picks. We have to sign Zach Wilson. We have to sign Elijah Vera Tucker, and we have to sign Elijah Moore. Now, with that being said, it's not a situation where we should be panicking, in my opinion. I think that these are just normal things. I think you have three solid players that are really more looking to kind of get into the swing of being an NFL player and start working with the playbook and working with each other. And if that's the case, I can't say that I'm correct. I don't know for sure. But if that's the case, then I think we got – three of three, three really good guys that are, that are going to be coming into this organization. Now, a lot of what has been talked about is how does that affect the salary cap? So the salary cap, as of right now, the jets have scroll back down to it. I think last I looked, we were at about 24, 25 million tracker. Oh, wow. 35 million. Now, as of right now, the way it's looking, obviously we know the first-round draft picks are going to have pretty much set contracts. Um, there might be little things here or there to negotiate, but nothing as far as what, what's going to hit the cap. So Zach Wilson is looking to make $35.2 million. His cap hit for 2021 is going to be a little over $6 million. Signing bonus of $22.9 million included in that. Uh, dropping down to Elijah Vera Tucker at pick 14 will make about $15.9 million with an $8.9 million signing bonus. Um, I didn't see what his cap hit would be. I would assume it's probably going to be in the $3 million range if Zach Wilson's sitting at six. But the good news behind it is those first-round picks are not going to be super bad about about cap hit. So Joe Douglas has done an amazing job of staying smart with the money. Elijah Moore is a little bit tougher because the second round picks aren't necessarily set in stone, so they can still negotiate. I wouldn't expect the holdout from him. I think he's having a blast uh, at mini camps and OTAs and stuff like that. So I would be shocked if he actually started holding out or anything of that nature. So I would assume that after those three sign, we'll probably be looking at roughly 25 million in cap space going into 2021 um, after it's all said and done. So 
just wanted to touch base on that. I'll keep it short. I want to know what you guys think about, you know, why haven't these guys signed or, you know, what's, what's happening during this process, but uh, I'm not too worried about it. And I think we're going to have a really nice cushion going into 2022 moving forward and still leave us some flexibility for any sort of uh, sort of during the first eight weeks of the season, any sort of trades, any sort of acquisitions that we may want to pick up. So what do you guys think? Uh, Scott, you want to jump in? Yeah, I I think that this is one of those situations where it used to be something that you would worry about because there weren't slots for all of these guys. Like if you remember back in the day before they had the cap for these rookies and everything and Sam Bradford was getting $60 million guaranteed, that was a very different story because you had to worry about something happening with negotiations or terms were far, far apart. These days, it's really mostly just arguments over contractual language. We all remember the Quinn and Williams thing a couple of years ago with the offsets on the contract. I'm not really all that stressed out about it. I'm sure they'll get something done soon enough because, again, the money's the money. There's not really any wiggle room for negotiation on the amount. It's just a matter of little technicalities in the contract. So. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they would be signed by now so that we wouldn't even have to talk about this, but I'm not really worried about it. Yeah, um, I'm going to just throw this in that uh, I think Joe Douglas purposely is doing this so we could have actually something else to talk about um, just in between, <laughs> you know, now and trading camp. <laughs> yeah, these contracts, uh, uh, to, to the point Scott was making about them being slotted. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I kind of don't i'm not gonna say i don't care because it obviously it's you know it is something that is apparent but am i worried about it no um look zach wilson for a fact knows um what it is that we want from him right now we've made no mistake we've made we've left no questions um he knows what it is that uh, we're trying to get done here and uh if 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 i'm just going to be honest uh, elijah vera tucker i know for a fact he has to feel like uh he's going to be a cornerstone piece here we wouldn't have extended the draft capital that we get to bring him in um, if we didn't, you know, intend on having him uh, completely and utterly uh, destroy folks next to Magai Pecton for the next decade. So um, Elijah Moore, I, I think Jim, when he said that the second round thing is a little more questionable, I, I agree with that. But um, something about Joe Douglas and the way that he's uh, managed contract negotiations with every single player, um, and I mean, again, even some of the ones that I felt were questionable, um, they have all had some aspect of positive for both sides, right? Like um, even getting rid of the veterans, uh, you know, last season in, in the debacle of that, that we had, he was giving guys golden parachutes. I mean, put every one of the guys that left out of here in, in, in positions where they were better off um, and, and also helped us um, do what it is that we needed to do uh, in the process. So I'm a, uh, I'm not worried about this. This is a uh, this is I think something that is 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 enough for us to discuss right now as a topic, but I don't think it's an issue, right? No, no, it's definitely not an issue. No, definitely will not be an issue. I think that Joe Douglas will get these contracts hammered out. I just think it's a matter of just making sure that the eyes are dotted, the T's are crossed, and I'm sure that the agents, um, especially with some of the stuff that I'm reading in the contract, uh, uh, not not in the contract, some of the stuff I'm reading in the comments, um, with with the agents probably just trying to negotiate. For, for everything that they can get. So you know that Joe Douglas stands firm when he does his contract negotiations. So I'm sure that there's probably 
you know, there, there's maybe very, very little wiggle room, but I expect everybody to be signed and ready to go for training camp. I don't think we're going to see another situation like we did with Sam Darnold, where there's going to be a holdout, and then all of a sudden everybody's going to come with the mimic, with, with the um, the mimic hand claps and so on and so forth. I, I think that this is all it's, I, I, it's all cannon fodder to be honest with you, because right now there really is not a lot of jet news to report on. Okay, this is pretty much the like deader than dead period just before training camp. This these six weeks. From the time that OTAs, mandatory OTAs, voluntary OTAs, voluntary mini camps, mandatory mini camps, all all get together and break. Everybody just hopes that these next six weeks that nobody does anything stupid to make it into the papers, uh, to give the New York media something to complain about or something to write about. So at at this point, uh, bravo to the New York Jets because they've kept themselves out of the papers, and anything that has been reported has been incredibly positive. They've been doing a lot of player spotlights. Uh, Scott and, uh, and and Chris Nimbley have been, have been doing a lot of stuff over on Play Like a Jet. They've also been partnering partnering up with a, a good friend of ours, Paul Edson Jr. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, they've, they've been, uh, you know, collaborating and have some ears to the ground as to what's going on. So, but nevertheless, I, I, I don't see... Any of these guys being a, being a contract issue, and if it is, I'll be shocked. And believe it or not, I even think that they may they may end up getting Marcus May signed to a long term deal. Please, so, from your mouth. So, but anyhow, <laughs> Scott, really quick, I want to transition from from Jimmy's front office segment. I wanted to get your opinions on the defense, um, really quickly. If you could give us your thirty thousand foot view assessment, how do you expect this defense to perform, and do you think? That defense is going to have to carry this team again in the year 2021. No, I think the offense is going to be at least more competitive this year than it's been in the last couple of years. I, I think a lot of it comes down to they've got better and more promising personnel. And on top of that, the offensive line looks to be a lot in a lot better shape. And the coaching staff handling the offense seems to have a feel for what they want and how to achieve those goals, which is something we haven't seen from a coaching staff here, really, I guess, since uh, on offense, at least, man, it's been a while, uh, I guess, Mangini to an extent, but you could probably go back even further than that. If we're talking just offense here and, and trying to reach certain goals and, and how to do that. Uh, and then as far as the defense, I don't think you're going to have to carry the team I do think that in uh, some parts of that defense will be the strength of the team. The secondary, or at least the cornerbacks, will not be uh, the strength of that, the team at all. The, the cornerback position is the one that worries me probably the most on the entire roster right now. It is just ugly over there. The inside linebackers are, are kind of shaky, I think, to an extent. And then you take a look at what's going on up front. That, I think, is where the strength of this team is. I think the, the front four especially, and, and you've heard about this as far as Quinn Williams. You know, one thing that, that annoyed me the last couple of years is that Greg Williams used Quinn Williams way too much in terms of stunting and just using him to take on guys. And when he was allowed to cut loose and attack, he really, you know, kicked butt. We saw it last year. Now, this year, 
if you look at how Robert Sala runs his defenses with that 4-3 and the way that he, you would anticipate him using Quinn Williams, I think Quinn Williams, if he stays healthy, has a chance to be an absolutely dominant player. And when you look at the rest of the guys that are up there with Quinn and Williams, it, it is a real strength of the team. I mean, I love the Sheldon Rankins move. I think that's going to end up being yep. one of the more underrated moves of the offseason, assuming he stays healthy. He's somebody that was just a, a special talent before he had that injury a couple of years ago, and he seems to be on his way back a little bit. I think Lawson staying healthy is a huge factor here because if he can stay healthy and you add him to what we already know that front four can be now you've got a unit that makes it a little bit easier on the back end because I think the safeties will be fine uh, I'm not entirely sure what to expect from Davis this season he was very much a mixed bag last year and we saw a lot of warts hoping that he takes a step forward this year but Joyner is solid even if he's not in his prime anymore Marcus May who you talked about before is one of the better safeties in the league and so as far as the corners go, if Lawson and if the guys up front in the front four can put pressure on the quarterback consistently, it will obviously take a lot of the pressure off of the cornerbacks. And if you look at what happened in San Francisco, Richard Sherman all of a sudden was a pro bowler again when we saw Bosa and D Ford and Buckner and Armstead and all those guys just crushing quarterbacks and putting so much heat on them, it made Sherman's job a lot easier. I'm not expecting anybody in the Jets secondary to be anything like that, but I'm just saying if you make quarterbacks have to get rid of the ball quickly, it covers up for a lot of weaknesses in that area in the secondary as far as you know, man-to-man coverage or anything like that. So I, I think this will be a, a good unit. You know, obviously, Salah will oversee it, but it's going to be Ulbrich who's going to be making the, the calls, and it's going to be Ulbrich who's going to really put his stamp on this thing. And if you look at what he did in Atlanta, that's a positive. I think he did a great job there when he took over after uh, Raheem Morris was made the interim coach when they fired Dan Quinn. So I, I think that those two guys in a way that they haven't in quite a few years. And so I think this will be a fun defense to watch this year. And like I said, if he stays healthy, the player that you, you really need to watch is Quentin Williams. Cause I think, you know, everybody knows how much, uh, how positive I was on Quentin Williams and how I, I thought he was going to be an elite player. And I think he started to show you that last year. And this year is when I think that jump could come And Carl Lawson, obviously could be the edge rushing presence that the jets haven't had really, man, it's been, I guess John Abraham, Calvin Pace was good, but he was really more of an edge setter than a, a guy off the edge who could really cause havoc. Lawson has the potential to be that guy if he can stay on the field. And, and that's one thing that I'll say. There are a lot of people that will point to sack numbers. I'm not really worried about that. I think that gets overblown. You really want to look at, at pressure rates and, and see you know, what the overall impact of an edge rusher is that way. But I do think that the concern is real as far as injuries, because even going back to Auburn, he, the reason he went in the fourth round is because of the injuries, and he's, he's missed a lot of games in Cincinnati. So that, that's a key factor here. But I, I think that this could be the most aggressive and, and most fun defense that, that we've seen the Jets have in, in a while. Well, hey, look, I'm looking from, from your mouth to God's ears, because let me tell you something. 
The biggest problem with the New York Jets for the past 20 years is that their defense spent 65 to 70 percent of the time on the field. And their offense couldn't pull their head or couldn't pull its head out of its ass long enough to take a deep breath. And that's why they were getting their doors blown off in the fourth quarter, because the offense took two, two and a half, sometimes three quarters to get itself going. And then all of a sudden, by the time you got going, you're in such a hole that it's difficult for you to dig yourself out of because now you need your defense to get you a stop, and you can't because your defense is gassed. And, and the thing is, is mm-hmm. that the New York Jets have always been predicated on defense, Scott. And I don't have a problem with that. But eventually, you have to have balance. And that's one of the things that we saw in 2008, 2009, 2009, 2010. Even during the Eric Mangini years, we saw balance. Okay? Where your defense, when you needed them to get a stop, they got a stop. It was whether or not your offense could cash in on that spot. Uh, th- that was the question. As opposed to now... You have a one-point lead, and then you have to bite your nails, and you have to worry about, okay, who's going to beat over top? Okay, is C.J. Mosley going to get caught? To be able for the defense to get off the field to help the offense or Jets in 2021. So that's just my opinion. Kevin, I'm sure you probably have have your two cents worth you want to jump in, and then we'll turn it over to Jimmy. And then after that, we'll start with the In the Spotlight segment. You know what? Again, uh, I'm I'm, I'm just going to – I'm going to not deviate from where it is that I am. I don't want, you know, folks to think that I waffle on stuff like this. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is that one of the main reasons why I have the high expectations on what it is that this or how this team is going to perform this season has a lot to do with what it is that we have on defense. Now, again, there are, there are three aspects of the game, obviously, but defense in particular for me, has always been something that I've I've prided, you know, myself as a Jets fan on because we've always had good defense. I mean, it's some of my favorite jerseys, defensive players, some of the guys that have had some of the most memorable moments for me, defensive guys. As a defensive player, it is in my blood anyway to want to see somebody get crushed uh, by a linebacker or a safety when you come. That just uh, it just it does something to me. It tastes good in my mouth, right? So. This is what this is this is where it is that I'm at with this. And 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 Scott very, very eloquently outlined uh the, the front four and, and my expectation there is is probably Homer level uh excited about what it is that we have because we're rotating seven guys that for the most part would go to any other team in this league and still eat, right? And how often can we really say that we have so many guys in rotation? I mean, we had questions about what um uh, what are the, what are the young guys that we uh, a couple of years ago we were talking about before Franklin Myers and and when we drafted Nathan Shepard and um, even so much so after you know uh, we we had all of them uh, Wilkins and Williamsons and Williamson yeah all of them guys right so now we have as a stable I think we have uh, far superior talent and 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 much more of it so that to me is exciting the linebacker core for me um, C J Mosley is kind of the bottom line for me when it comes to this I'm I'm expecting. Uh, Gerard Davis to have a decent season on the outside. I think the change in scheme is going to work wonders for him. Um, but I just have to say, I vaguely remember talking about the guy uh, a, a few years back before he got drafted and saying, yeah, the kid, you know, he, he's a he's a player. He's a thumper. Right. Um, and that's that's the role that we're expecting him to fill here. Um, what we did with uh, with Nezirul Dean and, and uh, with Jamie and Sherwood uh, in, in the draft. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm excited by that because I think that 
it 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 goes again to we have a type, right? We have a, a player that we feel uh, is going to be able to fit a certain scheme and do what it is that we need for them to do within this defense. And uh, we have guys now who, uh, if, if, if I was just going to kind of give a comparison, we have guys that are, and, 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 and please kind of just feel me where I'm going with this. They're, they're, they're better Jamal Adams is right. Like box safety, kind of strong presence down around the line of scrimmage, but they're better in coverage, right? A little more, a little longer, uh, maybe you know, say maybe maybe a, a little more athletic. And Jamal Adams is, is is an uber athletic guy. But these guys in particular, I think, are are going to be able to take that role um, one step beyond where it is that he was, and he was a really good player. So let's you know let's keep those things in perspective. But that's kind of my expectation when it comes to that. Um, Scott made a, a, also another another point that. Uh, I just have to say it, it, it really does give me cold sweats, and that is our cornerbacks. Um, I only say that because it, it's unknown. It, it's, it's not because I don't feel like these kids can do it, right? Um, I, I, I do believe that they are talented enough to be able to kind of work, especially when we're talking about having to play behind what it is that I've already outlined. As I, uh, I think what is, is literally it, it's – these comments oh my god scott cleesby chimes in he doesn't like the waffle that's why his nickname is belgium <laughs> wow. wow shots fired <laughs> scott, oh man welcome back scott we appreciate you being back with us again my guy um, <laughs> but, but, but 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 the reality is again um yeah we draft we drafted some really capable guys and um, I want to I want to throw out all of what it is that everybody has perceived about the Jets because again, we've overhauled everything, right? So going into this season, knowing what it is that we know about what uh, Robert Sala did with the 49ers, uh, and and they're, you know, being decimated by by injuries and having to kind of do more with less, I, I I actually, I think we're in much better shape, and I have a confidence that um, even if they're not going to be perfect, they'll be good enough, right? until we actually can upgrade the talent in that room or, and I don't even know if, if upgrading the talent is necessary is other, if, can we just mine the talent that we have? Can we, uh, you know, put them guys in position to be successful? Can we teach them what it is that they need to know in order to win um, in most cases here? And, and young guys have to learn. The only way that you get better at playing football is uh, by playing football. And uh, this is an opportunity where I'm, I, the expectation for me is top, 15 defense and I mean I'm, I'm gonna say that with 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 all the base in my chest right now real talk I I believe that when all when it's all said and done and when, and when the chips are down and when it comes time for this team to have to step up I think the young guys are gonna do it and I think they're gonna do it because this coaching staff is gonna make them believe that they can all right Jimmy anything yeah. that uh yeah I, I agree Kev and I think um I think what has been outlined is the potential lethality of our front four, front seven, really, mm -hmm. um, takes so much pressure off the back end of the defense. And, Kev, you know, both of us played cornerback in the day. Yeah, it's a lot easier to cover a guy when for you three it. to five seconds <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> than it is for 20 seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I'm not – I'm not saying that we shouldn't address corner. Like personally, I would love in 2022 for our first round pick to be Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. Yeah. 
at least one of them had needs to be a corner. I think I, I, I agree. Yeah, I want I want that kid bad, but I'm not concerned to the point of saying it's a whole. It's it's definitely not the most refined area of the team. That's absolutely true, but I don't even think it's a whole because remember again, it just goes back to what I said in my in my opening talk is. We have coaches now. We have people that actually know football yeah. that are going to be teaching these kids what to do at at this level of the game. So um, are there going to be mistakes back there? Absolutely. Are, are there going to be some big plays given up? Most definitely. But I don't think it's going to be like we were biting we were biting our nails every time we were seeing Bryce Hall and Lamar Jackson lining up against everybody, you know what I mean, last year. And I just – I don't get that feeling this year. So, corner, yes, address it as we can address it. Um, but I think it's going to be – the front the front seven is going to really help them out. And uh, I think we're going to address it early next year. All right. So, now it's time for Kevin Jackson's <laughs> Emmy Award-nominated segment <laughs> called In the Spotlight. <laughs> In the Spotlight with Kevin Jackson. Kevin Jackson. Kevin Jackson. All right, Kev, who do we got in the spotlight tonight? One of these years I'm going to win that Emmy. I'm just hoping that uh, Sofia uh, Vergara gets to, hand me the, uh, gets to hand me the statue. All right. Uh, <laughs> in, in the spotlight this evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and, and, and I think this kind of fits a, a little bit with the theme or maybe an underlying theme of the show. Um, and, and, and just follow me here. In the spotlight tonight, Brant Boyer, our special teams coach, right? Now, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to frame it this way. I'm, I'm going to frame it this way. All right. We've talked about this um, being a, 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 a transitional period for this team overall because of the, the changes in coaching that we've had. Right. Um, horrible offense, horrible, horrible offense. We believe a lot of that has to do with coaching. Hopefully we've, we've resolved those issues. Um, difficulties on defense because we've had talent. We just haven't had the guy to lead us. And, and even Greg Williams in particular, who did, you know, in, in 2019, I mean, he had, a, you know, we had, we had some decent uh, defensive performances. And I think that uh, that was a testament to his toughness as well as it was, uh, you know, the, the, the players that we had on the team during that time. But the fact of the matter is, is that we've had difficulties in coaching on offense and defense. The one thing that we haven't really had is difficulty in coaching on special teams, Right. Brent Boyer going into the sixth year. Uh, linebacker drafted in Miami back in 1994. I'm telling you right now, we, we uh, another another linebacker as as a as a as a, uh, a positional coach for us right now. Of uh, the guy has attitude. We've been in the top what top four, top five, uh, two times out of the past five years that he that he's been coach here, including uh, the the second ranked uh, in 2019. Uh, excuse me, 18. Excuse me, and I think it was uh, fourth in 2019. Right. Um, got the kid a punter. Drafted Braden Man in six uh, a six round last season, uh, basically uh, oh, games of punting. Yeah, set the set the rookie record for uh, for punting. I mean, in, in even in a down year. So think about that. Um, it, it was a bad year uh, for our special teams last season. I think a lot of it had to do with you know morale and attitude. A lot of it had to do with uh, player personnel and, and difficulties in that regard. But Brent Boyer has kind of been a mainstay, guys. And the reason why I kind of just wanted to to kind of bring him to the forefront just in this moment is because up until up until this point, Brent Boyer has kind of basically been one of our best coaches. 
right? Like literally, he's been our best coach. When, when, when we had Adam Gase, he was our best positional coach. Our, our offense, our, our, our coaching staff was horrible. Defensively, our coaching staff was horrible. Brent Boyer, best coach on the team. Going back even before that, Todd Bowles and all of that, when, when all of that stuff was going on and we were falling apart, number one special teams. Brent Boyer, best coach on the team. On the low, best coach on the team. I remember saying it uh, on the previous iteration of this show, how we had to maybe be careful if he continued on this path, we might be looking at possibly losing Brent Boyer to another coaching position because I think he may be good enough to be considered a head coach in, 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 in certain respects. The reason why he's in the spotlight right now is because he's kind of being overshadowed by all these names. We've been talking about Robert Sala. We've been talking about Ulbrich. We've been talking about uh, uh, Shanahan. We've been talking about, uh, you know, uh, 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 all, uh, uh, excuse me, um, I'm thinking of the, the offensive line coach, Beckton, excuse me, or, or Benton, excuse me, pardon me. We've been talking about all of those guys. Uh, matter of fact, some of those guys have actually even been in the spotlight before. Um, but think about what it is that those guys are going to benefit from by having this guy back at peak, back doing what it is that he does best, giving us a top 10 special teams. You're, we're talking about ball control offense. We're talking about ball hawking defense if your special team games is top notch you're going to win a lot of games and when i say that i have a really high expectation for this team part of the reason for that is because brant boyer i honestly think that uh, brant boyer is going to be able to put something together with the talent that's been added over the course of these past couple of seasons and this guy is going to be an x factor in how successful we are this season uh, we, we, we talk about a lot of different things and everybody wants to sound knowledgeable about this stuff, right? Oh yeah, Carl Lawson's going to do this or you yeah, have any Curry did that or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this guy, I mean, he, all of this, we have no clue really what it's going to be because we really haven't seen it done here with the green and white. But what it is that we do know is that Brett Boyer is going to, he's going to kick ass on special teams. And if everything else works the way that we are, you know, hoping that it will or the, or, or the way that we believe that it can and, and will and should, we're going to be talking about Brant Boyer possibly as being gone before we talk about any, I mean, we talk about, oh yeah, we're going to get an offensive coordinator. He's going to be so good coaches, you know, he's going to leave. Brant Boyer might be the first one on that list to go because I think he's proven at this point in time that the, the, the kids, you know, he's got it. He knows what he's doing. Um, and in the grand scheme of all of what it is that we're excited about going into next season, I'm probably as excited and as confident in this as I am in any other thing. And it's really quiet. It's something that really is being maybe maybe not as 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 widely discussed as as I feel like maybe it should be recognized. Um, the one thing that I will say is that uh, it also just begs the question of what the Joe Douglas is going to do with the kicker. Huge question. I'll leave it there. What do you guys think? Am, am, am I wilding? I mean, is is this too far off the radar? Uh, you know, this is uh, you know, it's kind of shining the light. That's what the spotlight is about. Brent Boyer has been chilling in the background the past couple seasons, man. What do you guys think? All right, I'm going to kick it over to Scott first, then we're going to follow up with Jimmy, and then I'm going to get some of these comments on the air, and then I'll throw my two cents worth in. Thanks for, thanks for comments, guys. We appreciate y'all. Yeah, I mean, uh, the kicker thing has annoyed me for a few years. Everybody that follows me on Twitter or listens to the show knows that. <laughs> I really wanted them to get Jose Borregales. I was hoping <laughs> they would pick him with yes, one of those late picks. Go grab him because McPherson and Borgalis were the two kickers this year. McPherson went in the fifth round, which was crazy. Yep. And Jose Borgalis ended up not getting drafted. He went to Tampa Bay. 
I'm still holding out hope that that he ends up getting released because I can't remember who it is. It might be Ryan Suckup or somebody is down there, a veteran kicker. So I'm hoping Bart Gallus gets released and then he ends up, yeah, the Jets get another shot at him. They did sign Chris Nugar, the kicker from SMU. He's got a big leg, but his accuracy numbers are not the best. Uh, and, you know, out of OTAs and minicamp, you heard some shaky stuff. But, again, it's just OTAs and minicamp. I think Brant Boyer has done a great job. I'm with you on that, Kev. Uh, last year was a bad year all the way around. And uh, while I, I, I'm glad Boyer is back, I would like to see the special teams bounce back because every other year besides last year that he was here, they were one of the best units in the league. So hopefully having a refreshed culture with different coaches and a positive attitude will help bring a, a better special teams back. Braden Mann, he had his issues last year. I know you were talking about how he did for a rookie, and he certainly did, but there were some times where he outkicked his coverage. That was an issue that he had quite a bit when he was at A&M. That was his biggest issue. So he's going to have to continue to improve in the situational punting. Hell of a tackler, though, for a punter, obviously. And then you, you take a look at the the return situation. We'll, we'll see where they end up going with that with punts and with kickoffs, but I, I definitely think that, that Boyer deserves a lot of credit for the positives of the Jets special teams before last year. We'll see if this is a bounce back year. And then, as you said, Kev, I've said many times, I think that special teams coaches really deserve a lot more consideration than they get for head coaching jobs because, and I know Andrew Hawkins, a former wide receiver from the Bengals, made this point as well. They're the only coaches that have to have meetings with players from both sides of the football, other than obviously the head coach. And so they almost have their own like mini head coach thing going on. They have to deal with guys that have egos and they're many times upset that they're stuck on special teams when they think they should be doing more. You get guys that are projects that are, you know, just trying to make the roster and turn into a good special teamer. So there's that element of player development there too. We've seen what John Harbaugh has gone on to do. I always felt that Mike Westhoff deserved the shot as a head coach somewhere. And if nothing else would have provided us with endless entertainment anytime he was mic'd up. So I, I do think that it, that, that Boyer maybe down the line has a shot if, if the special teams does really well. I don't know that he's going to get poached immediately, but I do think that the special teams will be better, and I would like to see them do something a kicker because we know Sam Ficken's not the answer. I don't know about Chris Nagar. We'll see what happens in training camp, but maybe Jose Borregales breaks loose and they, they go correct their mistake because that's one thing that I was yelling about in the draft. I think I said something along the lines of, I don't care who they pick, just get me Jose as one of these picks, you know? So that was pretty much the uh, the story with with those last few picks in the draft because they had so many in the sixth round. But we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. But I, I like the fact that you brought Brant Boyer into the spotlight, Kev, because he was the only coach on that coaching staff that I wanted back. And thankfully, Robert Salas saw things my way, and I think he's going to be a, a very positive uh, coach on this staff this year, and, and I expect to see the special teams do much better than they did last year. 
I actually understand that you actually had a hand in that there, Scott. You know, you're a little bit too <laughs> modest for us here. Well, I hate to brag, but I, I'm I'm just saying it's possible that I might have bragged, I might have um, bribed Robert Sala with the promise of being able to have some pizza with myself and Chris Nimbley, and that was enough to sway him into keeping Rand Boyer. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Scott Mason, ladies and gentlemen. Right. We will not ask you to reveal your source in that. And and and, and Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy's going to love your take because uh, Jimmy was a, a really, 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 really big Borgallis guy. I think we talked about uh, Borgallis oh, yeah. every, every week for for months before uh, before the draft. No, it's I I don't I don't need a kicker that can kick seventy yards. That's all well and good. That's fine. But give me a guy that is automatic inside 45, and I'm happy. I, I, I hate missed extra points. I hate missed chip shot field goals. Just give me the guy that can go in crunch time and do what he can do. Now, anybody can say what they want about, oh, it only happened one year, but we never should have got rid of Jason Myers. I'm just yeah, going to keep on it. The guy scored yeah, 129 man. points for us last, that, that year. And it's not it's so, not even making a lot of money in, in, in Seattle no, right now. It was over $3 million per year. I, I think it's it's just the dumbest thing ever. But um, not much I can add. Like, Scott hit the nail on the head. Uh Brant Boyer was also, I think a lot of us have talked about that, that go deep in, in the Jets, you know what I mean? And I think I think most of us, I don't think I've ever heard any anybody that knows the team that said, God, get rid of Brant Boyer. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's never there, been a thing. So. Yeah, there, there's no way that you could. And, and, and again, I, the reason why, I, and just because we're kind of in between right now, training camps coming and all of that, I kind of wanted to just accentuate again that a lot of the excitement that's coming in really is around the coaching, right? And mm-hmm. Robert, uh, uh, being excited about Robert Sala and, and, the, and the guys that he brought in, we're, we're all looking at this as, as saying that Robert Sala brought in all of these guys to, you know, really do wonders with teaching and with coaching and with training, yeah. right? That's the biggest deal. And uh, he saw fit to bring back this guy. No ego, no nothing. Just was like, yo, one of the, one of the guys – that we know for a fact is going to be able to teach and coach these guys up. And this is him. This is what we got. But let's, let's not forget, you know, we, we, we talk, and, and I mean, I know we, how many times we, we talked about uh, Braxton Berrios and Braxton Berrios, you know, kind of maybe barely making the team at some point, right? Um, 11 yards, a, a, a return as a punt returner. So there, there's a lot there. Elijah Moore is Elijah Moore going to return. It's Keelan Cole. I mean, uh, uh, we've got a lot of guys that, that are able to do that um, on this roster. And I think that uh it, 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 it goes uh, when we have Andre Roberts that led the league in, in, in uh, return yards that one season and then coming right back behind it. Uh, Barry Osa's on, on his heels. And uh, mm-hmm. I can't think what the other guy's name was. Excuse me. I'm just I'm having a hard time with names tonight. Pardon me. But uh, look, this is going to be exciting. This is just another reason why the minutia of what's getting ready to happen just makes my makes my toes tingle. I'm I'm just I'm expecting us to really have you know, foundational changes in what it is that we do. And Brent Boyer being, you know, kind of a, a foundational piece, right? Like he's been here for years, and the entire time that he's been here, he's just been better than everybody else, just on the low. All right, so I want to get some of these comments on the air. First off, I want to uh, I want to shout out everyone who has commented. 
Scott Kalispi, Lino Cortina, Blake McLaughlin. Props to you, my friend. Justin Manga, who's in the who, who who's in the comments. Super uh, J, that's my guy. <laughs> Mike Smith, who's in who, who's in the comments as well. Um, John Jett, otherwise known as Lou Yariv, uh, shouting out to us. Billy Kidd, Lowell okay. Richmore, Frank and Goglia, Anthony Triola. What's up, guys? Uh, the guys are all here. The guys are all here. I'm Daniel Smith, the Jets guru, tuning in for a little while tonight. Um, yeah. Shout out to Jocka T, my guy. Tech Sergeant Jacques Thomas from Patrick Space Force Base. Peace, peace, my brother. Your happy ass is coming on the show when we play Jacksonville because okay. you and I, we're going to go at it. <laughs> uh, Lowell Litchmore. All right. He's, a, he's up in the comments over here. Shout out to him. And I think I pretty much covered just about everybody who has – oh, Reno Cortina, of course. Can't forget about him. Happy birthday to him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So he he celebrated a birthday this week. So, you know, uh, and I'm I'm scrolling through these comments. There's so many, so, so many points. We have Justin, you know, coming up in the comments, stop with the BS about five to seven wins. Scott Kalispi saying, you know, six wins is a 300% improvement from what we did last year. Um, some other not people coming up here. In. It's not. It's not. Good <laughs> enough. It's just not. So the the uh, <laughs> just there are a lot of comments. So um, you know, Keep obviously. Coming, guys. So one of the, one of the things too that one uh, uh, don't forget about Dewasi, the new Olympic uh, strength coach. Uh, shout out to Blake McLaughlin for this one. Yes. Yes. Um, don't forget about Dewasi, the new Olympic strength and conditioning's program. We've had expensive contract guys without depth and a rash of injuries. Now we have starters depth and a proper strength and conditioning program. Yep. So Scott Kalispi chiming in. We know that our long snapper is a stone cold killer. Oh, wow. He's one of the worst in the league. Absolutely. Lowell Litchmore out there. Call uh, call up Sebastian Janikowski. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe 10 10 years ago, maybe. (laughs) So, Jocka T with another great comment. Give me the guy who doesn't put us in those situations. That's in response to Jimmy's remarks um, about the kicker situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Lowell coming back again. Kickers that kick uh, that can kick 70 yards miss the 37-yard field goals. Right. So, Lino Cortina has a, ha- has a new nickname for Scott Mason. Scott, a.k.a. Adam Schefter. So, <laughs> okay, got breaking news. Lowell, Lowell Richmore and Blake McLaughlin seem to think you sound like Buster Olney there, Scott. So, <laughs> okay, you know what? That that's fine. I, I'll consider Schefter and Buster Olney both a compliment. They're both the very accomplished media professionals who make a lot of money. Yes, exactly. Tonight's so, uh, for you, Scott. That's what I'm talking about. Um, everyone in the comments, <laughs> all up on Ho- Jose Borgales. Um, I actually put a comment in there. I think that there was not one New York Jets mock draft made that did not have Jose Borgales as one of the yeah. draft picks. In, in so, else, yeah. uh, so with that, look, I'm 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 just gonna say this. Brant Boyer, great guy, great coach. Probably the best special teams coach that we've had we've had on here since Mike Westoff. A name that Scott mentioned, a name that Kevin mentioned, a name that Jimmy mentioned. 
Let's you know, one, one of the things here that the New York Jets need to reestablish is they need to reestablish that culture of you, you are either going to play, you're going to give 100% here, and you're going to perform here, or you're going to be out. And that was the way that it was with Mangini. That's the way that it was with Parcells. That's the way that it was with Herman Edwards. That's the way that it was you know, with, with Al Groh for the short tenure that he was there, although Al Groh was kind of a mope, if you ask me. Um, you know, that's the way that it was with Rex Ryan. So, Talk to Kevin Mawai about, right. about Al Groh. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you probably have some, some interesting stories that you could share. It's another team for play like a jet, ladies and gentlemen. But one of the things, basically, that I want to see out of this special teams, or this special teams unit is consistency. Okay, go get us a damn kicker that's not going to miss from 35 yards but hit from 52. Okay, because if we have to go and get ourselves in crappy field position just to get three points out of a possession, then it's not worth it to begin with. And especially if we have to rely on special teams in some games when the offense is not clicking to put points on the board, there are many games last year where we left points on the field. And we can't have that. It just cannot happen. And this is the year in which you have to get that shown up. You have to get that fixed. All right? Higher standard. Right. And, 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 and you know what, Jimmy? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're, you're starting to see things a little bit on the same, the same wavelength that I do. Is that it's, nah, ti- nah, it, 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 it's nah. time for Jet fans <laughs> to start expecting better from this franchise and stop with the, oh, okay, well, we finished 8-8. Eight eight. Well, Yay, we- let's get excited. <laughs> no. Okay. I've been saying that, man. And I get it in the neck. I get it in the neck from all the Jets fans. <laughs> Jimmy, Reggie Williams, come on, Jimmy. Nah, look. Get out of here. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm but standing, the thing I'm is, standing right behind the you. thing like, is, there's a, him, there's a difference him. between being a homer and there's a difference between realistic. And somewhere in the middle of that is, is like the minutia. That's where your negative Jet fans are. The sky is always falling. The glass is always half empty and it's broken and it, you know. So there isn't even liquid in the glass. Like the liquid is all over the table and all over the floor. You know, it's like, look, being a Jet fan has not been easy. It's it's not okay. I have this conversation with other with other people that are fans of other teams, and today it's kind of funny. When I was at work, I actually had somebody ask me today, "How do you do it? How do you main? How do you still?" maintain positivity even though your team is complete trash and I looked them I looked at that person and I said because I know that the team is not going to be trash forever because eventually they're going to figure it out so hopefully this is the year we start moving in that direction where we figure it out that's why I keep preaching I'll save I'll, I'll save my comments and my excitement for after the rubber hits the road because we've seen the dog and pony show before. We've seen this team fill up the, fill up with hype. There's all this hype going into training camp. And then preseason comes and then the team looks eh. And then the first game comes and then they crap the bed. And then the second game comes and it looks like they, they, never, they never stepped foot on a professional football field before in their entire lives. And then by the third week, this team's lucky if they could beat a Division three high school team. Okay, and that's the way how it goes for the rest of the season. I don't want to see that anymore. That's why when people ask me, like, what are your expectations for wins this year? For me, I don't care. 
Go 500 in your division. Show me that you can play a full 60 minutes of football competitive from start to finish. Show me that the offense can actually put points on the board. Show me that the defense can actually get a stop in the fourth quarter. Show me that we can actually get a special teams unit that can make a friggin' stop when we need to. That can make a play. Give me a wide receiver that can catch the ball, a running back that can actually run for 15, 20 yards instead of two yards in a cloud of dust, the friggin' Frank Gore show that we saw last year. Everybody wonders why. Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry, CJ? I don't get it. You have so many reasons to be excited about this Jet team. Because you know what? (laughs) We've gotten excited before, and you know what happened? It's like the bully who comes up and steals your lunch money anyway. Did somebody check CJ's blood pressure meds? Just right, making right. sure. Get oh, a little fine. nervous here. You okay, he's, pal? He's fine. CJ's, yeah, he's CJ's a Jets fan. He's angry. It's like ingrained. It's, it's in his DNA. Show right? me progress. <laughs> Show me progress. If, if I could build off of what CJ was saying for a second, CJ, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I was legitimately worried that you were going to have a stroke or something there, though. <laughs> I will, I will say. blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> monitor CJ every he, now and again. Yeah, for real. We gotta check on we gotta check in on CJ every fifteen minutes or so just to make sure he's okay. But I think what you were saying, CJ, really I've talked about this with a lot of people too. I I don't know what's more annoying. The guy who always thinks the Jets are gonna be thirteen and three or the guy who always thinks the Jets are gonna be one and fifteen. it's okay to have realistic expectations and it's and it's okay to not see things through the best case scenario or worst case scenario lens all the time. Now, listen, sure. Best case scenario. If everything goes the Jets way, if they win every close game and if, if the, if Zach Wilson plays up to his potential right away, and if Elijah Moore is amazing and you could go through a whole bunch of things, if everything goes to the best of possibilities, yeah, the Jets could be way, way, way better than we expect. And so, if guys get hurt or if I just some don't of want these guys struggle, be, they could be way worse than we expect. I don't but want them the to be a factory time, of sadness anymore, Scott. Okay? <laughs> the Cleveland Browns actually made factory of sadness, and the Jets took it over. Yeah. But, but that's the what Jets I'm took saying, it over. CJ. They took I it over and they put okay it in the window with Tiffany's. Not, right, but that's what I'm saying. I think you're right, even though I'm going to say this in a way that hopefully doesn't cause me a pulmonary art, uh problem uh, where I'm going to burst the blood vessel like it sounds like you're doing right now. I I think that what you're saying is correct in the sense that, and this kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning, I don't really concern myself, at least this season, with the record. I, like I said before, I want an entertaining football team that's showing me that they're moving in the right direction. Are the young players that yes. Joe Douglas has drafted starting to really come into form because last year, other than Beckton, you know, Mims was fine when he played, but there were weeks where you couldn't really tell if it was him or if it was Darnold because he didn't do much. He was hurt for half the year. Bryce Hall looked good for about six games when he played, but we still have to see more from him. Ashton Davis, as I said before, very shaky, you can go down the list. Cam Clark didn't play at all, so what do you get out of him? We don't know. Yeah. So really, what I want to see is, are these young players starting to really form into something? 
it does the coaching staff look like they know what they're doing? And, and most of all, I want to come away from this season confident that Zach Wilson is the guy at quarterback. I want him to have a season. It doesn't have to be some sort of groundbreaking season, but I'm tired of the rookie quarterbacks that struggle to the point. And look, I, I get it. Rookie quarterbacks are going to struggle and that's fine. I, I, there's no way around that. And not, not many rookie quarterbacks are going to be able to be Justin Herbert, who basically had the best rookie season any quarterbacks ever had. But if, if Zach Wilson can produce better than what we saw Darnold do his rookie year or Sanchez, and I know the Jets went to the AFC Championship game, but Sanchez was really not very good. Let's not relive too much the whole wrist color-coded wristband situation yeah. that the Jets were dealing with with Sanchez about halfway through that year, where the fact that he threw five interceptions and blew, helped them blow a game against Buffalo that they easily should have won in their sleep his rookie year. You go on and on down the line. I want Geno Smith, another one, had his moments but struggled way too much his rookie year. I'd like to see Zach Wilson come in here take command of the offense, and yeah, have his struggles, but overall we look at this and say, wow, Zach Wilson was very impressive for most of the year, not just flashes, not just the game here and there, but for most of the year, put together a really good rookie campaign, and now the Jets head into the following year with a quarterback that they believe is the building block of the organization. And you want to see that from other young players too, obviously Beckton, who you want to see stay healthy and continue to play as well as he did when he was on the field last year. You want to see from Barrett Tucker, from Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, as I said before on defense, Quinn and Williams, guys like that. But I think if they can give you an entertaining team that's a pleasure to root for and a pleasure to watch on Sundays with players that are starting to turn into foundational pieces with a coaching staff that appears that they know what they're doing and ultimately a team that you can feel good about going into 2022 that, oh, if they add a couple of pieces here and there in the draft and free agency, they are a real legitimate playoff contender and perhaps even a threat to the Bills in the division. If that's what we come out of 2021 with, yes. then I would be very happy with that. And if that's five wins, six wins, I don't really care. And to be honest with you, I think that's probably realistic. I think you're probably looking at a 5-6 win team. If they get more than that, great, awesome. They overshot it. But I just want a team that I can be excited about heading into 2022, a team that showed me that they're beginning to turn the corner in a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. And CJ, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's more or less what you're trying to say when you talk about the factory of sadness and how you don't want the Jets to be that anymore, that if – just like the Browns, the year before they went to the playoffs this past year and really made noise and almost even beat the Chiefs, if we can have the feeling about the Jets that Browns fans had about the Browns heading into last year, then we will all be in a lot better shape going forward. We'll all be happy, and CJ, I won't have to worry about whether or not you're going to pass out midway through one of your rants. <laughs> Shout out to Lino Cortina here. If Wilson throws for 25 touchdowns and over 3,500 3, yards, I'll show up to next year's home, o- home opener in a neon green bikini. 
Screen, yeah, somebody screenshot that. Somebody bookmark that, please. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the uh, Zach Wilson 4,000 yard, uh, you know, kind of. Yeah. So, all right, guys, we're coming up against it over here. So, uh, I'm going to turn the mic over to our guest here. Scott, uh, please tell all the fans of Weapons Hot how they can follow you, interact with you, catch your podcast. Catch all of the wonderful stuff that you guys are doing over there on Play Like a Jet, please. Well, first of all, CJ, I want to thank you and Jimmy and Kev for having me on. Kev, you know you're one of my favorite people. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy to talk to all of you guys. And uh, also, got to give a shout-out to my co-founder at playlikeajet.com, Chris Walker, who loves your show, never misses it, by the way. And he always nice. will send me links. He'll be like, did you guys? see the latest weapons hot he loves after dark that's his favorite thing he always did you see the latest after dark so just wanted to say that because i'm sure chris is probably watching right now but yeah we're we're still in kicking it in the high gear like i said if you check out our youtube channel we're really building something there luke has been doing a lot of really really good film reviews kayla pace is doing her commentaries paces playbook they're a lot of fun and well produced too kayla's a seasoned media pro so her commentaries are always a lot of fun. We've got Play Like a Jet live Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. Luke and Clayton do that in conjunction with you, Stadium. And and then the podcast daily. The, when the season starts, we're going to have some fun surprises in store. But right now, with this period before we get to training camp, we've got off-season reviews. John Grella came on to do a two-parter recently, and we talked about his specialty, which is his knowledge of the media because John was communications director for the Bucks for three years. So getting his perspective on some of the controversies surrounding what the Jets beat had done during OTAs and, and mini camps, specifically the Corey Davis question where one of the reporters on the beat would seem like he was sort of badgering Davis about a very trivial question involving Sam Darnold. And so John kind of broke down what, the pros and cons of things like that are plus like i said we're doing that fun series with chris nimbly where we look back at different i guess you would say colorful events from different parts of jets history that chris has been covering the team over the last decade we've got one coming up next week it's going to be kind of a greatest hits where chris is going to tell like a, a variety of short stories just little quotes or little incidents that happened with him that he remembers that made him laugh. And we'll have a couple of others too coming up before training camp starts. We've got mailbag questions. We've got some film breakdowns. We broke down Morgan Moses's film. Luke Grant came on to do that. And there's more Morgan Moses breakdowns on our YouTube channel too. So if you want to subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, whatever your favorite podcast app is play like a jet brand new show Every single day, seven days a week. Haven't missed the show in three years. I have no idea how. I'm, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, as I said earlier. And then constantly adding new stuff to the YouTube channel and to playlikeajet.com. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 and follow everybody else that's involved over at playlikeajet. So, guys, again, really appreciate you having me on. And uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. And, and like I said, uh, my co-founder, Chris Walker, loves you guys, especially after dark. So I'm sure he'll get a kick out of the fact that uh, I shouted him out here. <laughs> oh, if he's watching after dark tonight, we're definitely going to 
gonna send some uh, some yeah, some, pro- some love for him. Some I've love his way. I've, I've been following Chris on Twitter for quite some time. Most question, most definitely. So uh, we do have After Dark coming up after this show. So if you're watching, uh, get ready to get fed. We got some more mm-hmm. for you coming up uh, in just a few minutes. Yep, absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partners in crime on the other side of the glass, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman, Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine at Jets by Jimmy. Our rookie test pilot, who is currently still in the middle of Tropical Storm Elsa, suffering with a power outage, Harrison the Fireball Glazer at NYJetsTF Media. Don't, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. Also, don't forget, you can also catch us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, be sure to download their app. If you have an Android, go to Google Play. You'll be able to find it there. If you have an Apple, go to the iOS store and search up WWSRN. You'll be able to not only consume Weapons Hot, but the other cool shows that are on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So, for Mr. Scott Nate, Mr. Scott Mason... One of our better guests on here, and just an all-around awesome guy. Scotty, I love you from the bottom of my heart. I really do. Mr. Kevin Jackson, otherwise known as Spotty Blackman, and Jimmy the Reaper Jardine. This is your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, signing off. This has been Weapons Hot on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will see you guys when we see you guys. And I'm going to leave you guys tonight with still the best chant in the National Football League. Wise Guys is coming up next, so don't forget to check them out on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.